I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. KSL's Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry. Welcome back to the program. I'm Lee Lonsberry. This is Live Mike, episode 14. Thank you for listening. We, throughout the morning, of course, have been talking about this story out of Iraq, just outside the Baghdad International Airport. Last night, under the direction of President Donald Trump, uh, an airstrike was executed, and we, the United States, killed uh, an Iranian general, a security and intelligence commander. He, this Major General Soleimani, had uh, killed hundreds of Americans, and we ended his life last night, and that's what you get when you kill Americans. Uh, so that's what we've been covering throughout the morning. We'll touch on it again a little bit uh, later on. Right now, though, we're going to uh, shift gears a little bit. And uh, do you guys remember, you remember a few weeks ago, you and I spoke about cursive handwriting? There was a great debate over whether or not uh, schools should be teaching it. Uh, we learned that here in Utah, it in fact is still part of the curriculum. Anyway, as that debate played out, I received a number of text messages. And oh, by the way, text messages, I love receiving them. So let me quickly tell you the number, 57500. It's the Utah Community Credit Union text line, 57500. I'd love to hear from you uh, on either the topics we're covering today or things you'd like to hear in the future or whatever. Tell me uh, what your cat's name is. I don't care. 57500 is the text line. The reason I brought up uh, cursive handwriting is because one of the text messages or one of the themes I saw repeated in the text messages as well as the Facebook comments was that, hey, if we uh, if we don't if we can't read cursive handwriting, how will we read the Constitution of the United States? You, you remember it was written it was before computers, a few weeks before computers were invented. The Constitution was it was handwritten in cursive. How are we uh, if it's if it's if we can't read cursive, how can we read the Declaration of Independence in the Constitution? We won't know how our government is to be run. Well, come on. We, of course, know that there we can read it. There are ways other than cursive handwriting to read it. As a matter of fact, I have done just that. Uh, I have this morning in my uh, ever never-ending quest to understand things better and to bring to you information relevant to your lives and livelihoods. I read this morning about the vetting clauses of the United States Constitution. Uh, there are three of them. There is the legislative vetting clause found in Article 1, Section 1. It reads, uh, and in print, uh, by the way, this is not in cursive. I'm reading to you from the United States Constitution. All legislative powers herein granted shall be vested in a Congress of the United States, which shall consist of a Senate and a House of Representatives. The next vetting vesting clause, rather, executive vesting clause. That comes from Article 2, Section 1, Clause 1. The executive power shall be vested in a president of the United States of America. He shall hold his office during the term of four years and together with the vice president shall for the same term be elected as follows dot 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 
Third vesting uh, clause. This one deals with the judicial branch, the, the judicial branch, the courts, the Supreme Court. Article 3, Section 1 of the vest- vesting clauses. It reads, the judicial power of the United States shall be vested in one Supreme Court and in such inferior courts as the Congress may form from time to time. Ordain and establish the judges, both of the Supreme and inferior courts, shall hold their offices during good behavior and shall, at stated times, receive for their services a compensation which shall not be diminished during their continuance in office. Now, why did I just bore you with reading from the Constitution? It's because of this next story I'm going to share with you, and it has to do with the Supreme Court case and two filings, two amicus brief filings. Here's what's going on. In Tennessee, uh, as you know, a little while ago, I'm sorry, I misspoke, in Louisiana, that is, in Louisiana a while ago, there was a, 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 a law passed, and that law stated that if you are a doctor and you are carrying out abortions in your clinic, that you must, uh, you must be within 30 miles of a hospital and you must have admitting rights. What's that mean? Uh, doctors... <clears throat> Doctors are able to, uh, through different licensure and agreements, and uh, if they meet certain qualifications, they're able to admit patients to uh, hospitals. And the law in Louisiana, as passed by their legislature, was that if you were going to perform abortions, you must be within 30 miles of a hospital where you, as a doctor, had admitting rights. And so we learned a long time ago in Roe v. Wade, that any unreasonable hindrance to the uh, quote-unquote right to abortion uh, may not uh, be allowed. And so that law in uh, Louisiana was challenged. And that case turned into the June Medical Services LLC versus Dr. Rebecca G. And uh, it has made its way to the Supreme Court. This will be the first time an abortion case uh, in the era of Gorsuch and Kavanaugh uh, will be heard. Now, why did I, let's go back a second, why did I read you those things from the vesting uh, clauses? It's because I uh, am working on my understanding of uh, something, and it is called an amicus brief. You hear those made reference to from time to time, an amicus brief. What is an amicus brief? It is a document which is submitted to a court, in this case the Supreme Court, by uh, parties who don't have standing, they're not part of the case, they are outside either organizations or individuals, and they, uh, in conjunction with some lawyers, will draft up a document stating their position and offering uh, certain uh, evidences that they feel may be relevant to the decision-making process of the court. Well, in my hand right now, uh, I'm holding two of such two such documents. Uh, one of them is signed by Democrats, and one of them is signed by Republicans. 207 Republican members of Congress, both of the House and the Senate, have signed an amicus brief which they have submitted to the Supreme Court of the United States stating that they ought to uphold uh, this law in Louisiana, uh, which um, greatly diminishes the ability uh, for abortions to be performed. Uh, I'll, I'll read to you the names of the Utah members of Congress who have signed this amicus brief. That's Senator Lee, Senator Romney, uh, Representative Bishop, Stewart, and Curtis. That's all of Utah's federal delegation with the exception of Ben McAdams. There is another amicus brief which has been submitted to that same Supreme Court. Not that there are more than one. Uh, this has been signed by 197 members of Congress, uh, all of them Democrats. Uh, I will point out that uh, Representative McAdams did not sign this one. So he has signed neither of these. Uh, but 
getting back to the reason why I read to you uh, the... Uh, the, the clauses, the vesting clauses, it is the separation of powers. And it struck me as a little odd uh, that so many members of Congress, 400 plus members of Congress, would uh, try to influence uh, the actions and behavior of the Supreme Court. It struck me as odd. It struck me as uh, somehow contrary to the spirit of the vesting clauses. Well, earlier today, I had an opportunity to speak uh, over the phone with uh, Utah Congressman uh, Chris Stewart, and I asked him about that. I said, is it is it appropriate uh, for legislators to weigh in on the judicial process in this matter? And if I'm honest, he, he kind of set me straight. I, I it, was a, it was a genuine question. Uh, I did have some doubt as to the appropriateness of of this behavior, uh, but I asked the congressman about it, and he explained it, I think, in a convincing way. So here's what he had to say, and I'll be back with you in just a moment. Yeah, well, I mean, look, legislators are there to express the will of the people, and these 200-plus legislators all represent tens of millions of of individuals. I I myself represent, I don't know, 850 or 900,000 people, and if you do that times... 200 that's a lot of people and that's that was really the purpose of this was just to uh express to the courts there are tens of millions of people around the country who who share this view and i think that's influential to the court to know this isn't an isolated view and it's not something that only a few people feel strongly about and that's not interfering with the judicial process i mean my gosh we're just trying to inform the judges who will make this decision that this is an important consideration for us and that we represent a lot of people who feel the same way that we do it actually is informative for the court it's helpful for the court i've talked with uh, a number of judges who say this type of direction is important for us because it gives us a sense of the will of the people I wondered if it was appropriate for 400 members of Congress to weigh in and let their thoughts and opinions and desires be known uh, to the Supreme Court. I wasn't sure. It felt odd. Uh, Congressman Stewart straightened me out there. He, as I told you a moment ago, was one of the signers of this amicus brief, the amicus brief, which is encouraging the Supreme Court to uphold the law in Louisiana, which requires uh, these doctors to be within uh, 30 miles of a hospital. The doctors administering uh, these abortions, it requires them to be within uh, 30 miles of a hospital where they have admitting rights. He signed it. And I asked him when we got on the phone, I asked him, why did you sign it? Well, a couple of reasons. One is that I want to protect life. And one of the bills that Republicans worked really hard to pass in Congress was an abortion bill that would make abortion illegal after you could detect the heartbeat of the, of the, of the fetus. And it's hard to argue that you're not taking a life when you can sit and look at the imagery and see the heartbeat and hear the heartbeat. This is not just a mass of cells as a lot of people describe it. This is an infant. And we wanted to protect that child. The second thing is, I want to protect states' rights. Look, New York may feel differently about this than Utah does. And Louisiana may feel differently. But let's allow states to have a little more latitude to respond to their own people. And in many cases, the Supreme Court has made that impossible, which is why we're hopeful the Supreme Court would allow individual states to be more... Uh, more definitive in what it is that their constituents believe. All right. My thanks there to Congressman Chris Stewart uh, weighing in on why he chose to sign an amicus brief being sent to the Supreme Court of the United States as they consider an abortion uh, law in the state of Louisiana. I'd point out, too, that Senators Lee and Romney and Congressman Bishop and Curtis signed that as well as Congressman Stewart. Listen, next up, we're going to talk about Lori Laughlin. You know her? She's Aunt Becky. She might be going to prison, and she's hired someone to help get her ready, a prison coach like Prison Mike. Uh, anyway, a little bit of a lighter subject next up here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.